traveler Beat down from the storms that you have weathered Feels like the road just might go on forever Carry on You keep on giving But every day this world just keeps on taking Your tired heart is on the edge of breaking Carry on Weary traveler Restless soul You were never meant to walk this road Welcome those to First Church today. Welcome those that are listening on the radio and also watching us on Facebook Live. I have a couple quick announcements here. The roses on the altar are for two couples celebrating wedding anniversaries of 50 years or more. And that is Lee and Diane Catahenry, who are celebrating 58 years on March 1st. And Dennis and Joan Henschen, who are celebrating 57 years on March 5th. Happy anniversary. For the ladies, today is the last day to register for IF. The gathering is on March 4th and 5th. If you have any questions, see Tori after church, or you can register online at the website, First Church. You probably already noticed they were out last week, but the Lenten devotional books are available at the doors in the info center. They're free, so grab them. Uh, It's meant to be a church-wide study for all the participants. There will also be a Lenten Bible study on Sunday nights beginning March 6th at 6 p.m. 
that will dig a little deeper into that devotional series. The elders will be hosting an informational meeting about the Constitutional and Bylaws on Monday, March 7th in the Ministry Center at 7 p.m. All members are invited to attend and discuss the proposed changes to the Constitution and Bylaws. So Ash Wednesday is going to be March 2nd this year. Our evening service begins at 7.30, and we'll have ashes and, and the Lord's Supper. And also, the men's for the men, the Faith Alliance Church is inviting us to join them for their fall retreat to Gatlinburg. There's brochures on the back information table center here in the back of the church. And just a shout-out to the Ranger girls. Nice job on bringing home the district crown last night. Please join, or rise and join us in the call to worship, taken from Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He, rebu he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them with his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have, I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Now let us sing King of Kings. Christ was born. 
we're going to uh, bring back something we haven't done for maybe a year and a half. So as the children come down to uh, for the children's chat, take this time to greet your neighbor. Uh, handshake, fist bump, elbow, whatever you're comfortable with. But uh, take your time to greet your neighbor. given you something or mom and dad given you something to take care of? No? Pets? Your dog? What do you, how do you protect him? Feed him. Well, that's, you know. Give him love. That's right. Make sure he doesn't run off and things like that. Making sure he everything is good. If you get a brand new toy or a new bike or something like that, do you take really good care of it? Yeah. And you protect it so it doesn't get damaged, right? Well, you know, protecting things and taking care of something really important is called stewardship. Isn't that a hard word? Kind of a funny word, isn't it? A lot of times we talk about that. Uh, about giving your money to God for his for his furthering his word and things like that. But, you know, we have a lot of things that we can take care of that God's given us. And one of those is God's earth. We have to take care of it. And sometimes we have to, well, not sometimes, but we need to take care of our bodies. And keep us, we have certain gifts or talents like singing or dancing or talking that's a gift and all those things we have as we have relationships with other people our friends and protect them because everything that we have who gave to us who gave us everything we have god did everything that's for grown-ups and kids and everybody so When God talks to us about giving back to him with our offering, there's other ways we can give back to him, too. And part of that is our time. Do we always use our time in the best way? No, somebody said no. None of us do. Ask the grown-ups out there if we use all of our time the way we should. No, it doesn't happen, does it? We should never put anything before God. So time is a very good thing to be a steward over, to watch, protect, and manage that. Everything we do should glorify God. But it's okay to do fun things, too. How many of you play soccer? How many of you go to dance and gymnastics? And all those fun things are fun, aren't they? And we can do those. That's all right. That's not only preschool. Miss Maria might not consider that only. (laughs) Preschool is fine. Guys don't always go to dance anyway, right? But you do a lot of good things that you're special at. And so our time, though, that we spend doing all those things, who do we have to put first? God. And that means whatever we do, we have all that time for those other things. We've got to make sure we save time for God and make sure we care for and protect our time so that we can give him our very, very best. So there has to be a balance, doesn't it? If we do all the fun things 
and then we don't have time for God, what happens? God's down here. Should he be down there? No. No. We should balance things out. It would only be good if he was a little bit higher than everything else, right? God's pretty special. Everything we do, right? All of our time. We need to carve out time for God. Yeah, up in the balcony, huh? So to be a good way of being a good steward and expressing our love for God is to take care of everything he's given us and make sure we watch our time. So when you'd rather maybe not get up and go to Sunday school on Sunday morning, what should we do? Get up and go to Sunday school. Okay, because God gives us everything we have. And we've got to be thankful for that. Because one of the verses today says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So everything we have, we watch and protect and love our friends and family so that we can glorify everything through God. Let us say a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts you have given us, family, homes, food, church family, and freedom to worship you. Show us how we can take care of and protect your gifts and use them to serve one another. Help us to love one another as you love us. May we glorify God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. As they do so... Just want to remind you, our offering this morning goes to support Vacation Bible School. Uh, I know it's only February, but June will be here before we know it. I know Tori has already been working, planning uh, for VBS this year and working with the Methodist Church and, and the community VBS that we put on. So today's offering will go to support that ministry, and we are very much looking forward to it again this year. So I know probably sooner rather than later you'll start to hear announcements and things about that um, and be on the lookout for how you can be involved, um, not just through financial support, but by volunteering your time and helping in that, make that ministry happen. So at this time I do want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect the offering and invite the choir to bless us with the special music.
the Lord in prayer, just want to take a moment um, and just encourage you of how how you and how we can be praying for the situation that's going on in Ukraine. I know, I've been, I know many of you have been, I'm sure, praying about what's happening there, been keeping an eye on what's happening there. And I think it's important for us to know how to pray for something like that. And so I've been thinking about that. I want to share a couple thoughts with you, and then we'll take a moment to go to the Lord in prayer, not just for that, but for all of our concerns as well. I think we can be praying for the end of violence in whatever form that takes, praying that justice would prevail, praying that good would conquer over evil. We can also be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ and in both countries, right, and in all those areas that are affected by the conflict that is happening there, that they would be the hands and feet of Christ in that unique situation. And certainly prayer for strength for those who are bravely defending their homes and their families against violence. Um, it's another reminder to be to be praying for God's will and His kingdom to come. As we reflect on everything that we've been through the past, you know, couple years, it's a reminder that, that there are so many things that are just outside of our control. But God is the one who's in control. And we can pray to Him and we can lift up our concerns to Him because we know that He is sovereign and He is good. And so I want to encourage you to be praying in that manner and, and praying for all of the concerns that God has placed on your heart because He is not just worthy of our praise, but he's also to able to meet all of our needs. And he invites us to pray to him. So let's go to the Lord together now and pray. Father God, we are heartbroken at the violence that we see and, and experience, Lord, in this world. What's happening in Ukraine, but also in other places in this world where violence breaks out. Lord, we know that that is not your way or your desire for this world. Lord Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And we do ask, Lord, that you would work in Ukraine and other areas of this world that are experiencing violence to bring an end to it. Lord, we long for the day when violence and hurt and pain will be a thing of the past. When you've established your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we do pray that justice would prevail. We pray that good will conquer evil. Lord, we know that you have already won and achieved the victory for us over sin and death. But Lord, we do experience the reality of sin, the presence of sin in this world. And so we pray that good would prevail over evil. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in the midst of this conflict. On both sides, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen and encourage them, watch over them and protect them. And may you enable them and equip them, Lord, to be your hands and feet, especially caring, Lord, for those who are in, in need. May you provide, Lord, for them. And Lord, we pray also that you would strengthen those who are bravely defending their homes and their families. Lord, we pray that you would protect those who are in harm's way, especially, Lord, innocent civilians. May you protect them and watch over them. Lord, our heart breaks over situations like this because we know it is not your will. We know that violence and and conflict and strife are not part of your perfect plan for this world. They're the result and because of sin and the fallen world that we live in. And so we do look forward to a day, Lord, when all violence will end, all strife and conflict will end, when, when swords will be made into plowshares because there is no need of them anymore. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come and that you would establish your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, we lift up all the, we lift up the people of Ukraine and, and the surrounding areas. But, Lord, we also pray for those in our own communities, in our own families that are hurting. Lord, there is strife, there is conflict, both externally but also internally, Lord, in our own lives. And we pray that you would be the Prince of Peace 
in those situations as well. Lord, we do pray that good would conquer evil in all things, that justice would always prevail over injustice, and that your will would be done in our own lives as well. Lord, we also pray for those that are in need. Um, Lord, you know the families and the names that are represented on the prayer list. You even know the burdens that we carry in, in our own hearts that are unknown to everyone else. You know, Lord. And so we pray that you would work in those situations as well. Provide exactly what is needed. And Lord, help us to, in the midst of our circumstances, trust you and depend on you for everything that we need. We do pray for those in authority over us, as your word calls us to do. And we pray especially this day for our national leaders and those that are making decisions, both at home and abroad. We ask that you would give them wisdom, uh, a longing for justice and peace and, and, the, and your righteousness, Lord. Because we know that your word says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. And may you equip them to serve and to make decisions that are in the best interest and well-being of our communities. We pray for those in authority here at this church as well. We, pr- we thank you, Lord, for our deacons, and we do pray that you would continue to equip them to serve this church. And we, we thank you for all that they do and pray that you would equip them, Lord, to continue to serve as you call them to do. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whichever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that all things, so that in all things God may be may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Thank you, Maria. Before we go to the Lord in prayer again, just want to remind you of a couple opportunities uh, that you have to get connected to um, study God's Word and fellowship with other believers. Uh, starting next Sunday night, as Keith mentioned in the announcement, along with the devotional that is available to everyone. So I encourage everyone that's here, if you haven't picked up a copy of the devotional, there are some still available at the exits of the sanctuary, as well as see a stack of them over there at the info center. Um, so please grab one on your way out if you haven't done so. If maybe you have a neighbor or family member that would be blessed by that, we encourage you to take an extra copy and pass it along to them as well. We want to get that in the hands of as many people as possible. Um, but if you are reading along and you want to dig a little deeper into that devotional, Sunday night, next Sunday night, we're going to have a small group of me in the youth room over in the ministry center, and we're going to take kind of the themes that are in that devotional and dig into them a little bit deeper. We're going to go to God's Word and study some of those uh, passages that those devotionals point to. And, uh, and that'll be a great opportunity to dig into that devotion even further. So if you're interested in that, that'll be next Sunday night at 6 o'clock uh, in the ministry center. Um, also, uh, we're gonna, there's going to be a Thursday morning Bible study that'll start up as well. Uh, that Thursday morning group uh, was part of one of those faith statement Bible studies from last fall, and, and we'd been talking about wanting uh, to get the gang back together, for lack of a better term. And so starting Thursday, March 10th, also 
next week, um, we are going to start up that Thursday morning Bible study again at 10 a.m. And that's not an exclusive study by any means. If anybody's interested in coming and joining us for that as well, um, we are gonna, we're going to start that up. And, and also that will take place in the ministry center. So if you're looking to get plugged in somewhere, if you've kind of had this desire to dig more into God's word with other believers, um, those are two great opportunities to do that. And I encourage you to get connected. Reach out to me if you have any questions or the church office um, or just show up. That's always a good option, too. So, um, again, that's next Sunday night at six o'clock and then the Thursday, the 10th at 10 a.m. are two opportunities to get connected. Let's go to Lord in prayer now as we turn our attention once again to his word. Father God, as we open your word now, um, as we have the opportunity to, to study it and reflect on it, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us. I pray that you would soften our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. Um, and I pray, Lord, that you would give me words to speak as, as we turn our attention to you now. Um, Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Kind of got ahead of myself a little bit during that prayer time as I was talking about how we can be praying for Ukraine and the world. And as I was reflecting on everything that's transpired this week, it was yet another reminder that our world is really out of control, isn't it? But that's not new information, right? The world has always been out of our control. Um, This Russian invasion of Ukraine is yet another reminder that we are not in control of our lives, as if we've needed another reminder after the past couple years, right? There's been a lot of things that have been out of our control that have affected us both indirectly and also directly, right? We so desperately want to control our lives. We so desperately want to have things in a nice, neat order, but that rarely happens for us. We can't control world events like wars and pandemics. We can't control our own health or the health of our children. And we can't control what the stock market does to our retirement plans, right? All of that are things that are just completely out of our control. So much of life is out of our control. But as I've reflected on that this week, there are two things that I want to remind you of and encourage you in this morning. The first thing is that God is sovereign, which means that he He is in control of all things. That although it seems like the world is out of control, he is still working, he is still present, and he is still good. And his promises are still true. And he will work all things, yes, all things, it says in Romans 8.28, for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. That means he can even use things that seem completely out of control and bring good out of them. I don't know how much you have been following the news that has come out of Ukraine this week, but there's been images that have stuck with me in terms of, of, of how God has been present even there in the midst of that war. I've seen pictures of Christians kneeling in town squares praying together as war broke out. I heard stories of a Christian seminary in Ukraine that was quite literally throwing its doors wide open to those who were fleeing violence and providing shelter. I saw a picture of a, of a, zo- a screenshot of a Zoom call of both Ukrainian and Russian believers praying together that violence would end, that peace would come about. Right, God is working. He is sovereign over all things. And if we just look maybe a little closer, we can see glimpses of that even in the hardest times. And the second thing we need to remember is that because God is sovereign, we can respond to whatever circumstances we face with trust and dependence on him. Right? We can't control our circumstances, but we can control how we respond to them. All right? And that's what brings me to this passage here today. As we've seen throughout the letter of 1 Peter, this was a church that was experiencing persecution like so many others in that time. We have to remember that as we study the New Testament, as we read about the early church, we have to remember the early church was always a small minority 
right, in a larger culture that did not line up with their values. And, and sometimes there was um, ambivalence towards those early Christians. But many times, and in the case of these believers that Peter's writing to, there was persecution. There was um, uh, and more of an antagonistic stance towards those believers. And so they were suffering unjustly for their faith. And we, we've seen how Peter has dealt with that so far in the letter. And now as we look at 1 Peter 4, beginning of verse 7, we see he's now instructing them on how to be a Christian community in the face of that suffering, right? In the middle of their circumstances that are completely out of their control. He gives them some instructions on how to be a Christ-centered community. In other words, again, how to live faithfully in a fallen world. Right here, he taught them in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that they are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now he's telling them how to live out that calling. Right? He's kind of given them, given them the call already. And now he's given them some practical instructions, some practical application on how to live that out. And there's three things that we should note here that we'll go through in turn. One is that they are called to be a people who pray. Second, they're called to be a people who love. And they're called to be a people who serve. But first things first here in this passage, we see that Peter prefaces this in verse 7 by saying the end of all things is near. That word end in the Greek isn't just a uh, a chronological term as in like the end of end of a, a time period. But that word end means that the goal or the purpose of something is coming to completion. Right. So so he's saying the the end of all things is near. In other words, it's approaching. It's at hand. It's drawing close. And that things are working towards their completion, their fulfillment. Right, we know from the teaching of Scripture that Jesus is going to return any day, right? Any moment now, Jesus can, can enter back into human history, right? And establish his kingdom like he has promised to do. We, we say that, right, that Christ will come again, right? That, that we know for certain, but the timing of it, right, is left unknown. We don't know the, 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 the day or the hour that he will come. Jesus himself says he will return suddenly like a thief in the night. But we do know this, that he will return any day now. And so as believers, as the church, we're living in between his two advents. We're living in between his first coming and his second coming. We're living in the tension of those two advents. So we don't know when he'll return, but we do know this, that every day is one day closer to it. Right? Every day is one day closer to Jesus's return. And for believers, you know what that means? It means that every day we wake up as one day closer to heaven, right? One day closer to our, our eternity in God's presence and with his people. And so we want to be prepared, right? We want to be ready for that. And that's why Peter's Warning us, he says, the end of all things is near. And then he gives instructions on how we should live in light of that. Right? We saw in the last passage we studied from chapter three eighteen through 4, 6, that everything that is necessary for salvation has already been accomplished by Jesus. That in his death, he was the, the righteous was dying for the unrighteous, right? We are justified through his death. In his resurrection, Jesus is made alive in the Spirit. And it's his resurrection that is assurance and proof that his sacrifice paid the price for our sins. And we know that Jesus has already ascended and has all authority in heaven and earth. Right? He's gone into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And so the only thing that remains then... Right? The only thing that we are still waiting expectantly for is his return and the establishment of his kingdom. Right? That's the end. That's the purpose. That's the fulfillment that all history is moving towards. And so with that in mind, Peter then says, therefore, we need to live in light of that. We need to live with the end in mind. 
We need to be ready and be found faithful when Jesus returns. And think about that for a moment. If we know that all human history, right, is, is moving towards the return of Jesus, if all human history is moving towards the establishment of God's kingdom when Jesus returns, then why, won't, what, like, why, do we, why, why don't we live with that purpose in mind in our own lives? Right? If, that's, if that's the direction everything is heading, then, then we should head in that direction as well. We should seek to establish his kingdom in our own lives, starting with us and in our families and our church and our community should live as if that is true already. And that's, again, what Peter is getting at here in this passage. And so, again, he, he tells them three things. If we're going to live that way, if we're going to be people that live in light of, the, of the, the end that is coming, we should do three things. And the first is we need to be people who pray. He says we need to be alert and sober-minded so that we may pray in verse 7. We need to be reasonable. We need to be self-controlled. We need to be disciplined, right? Prayer doesn't just happen on accident, right? We do have those moments, right, when in our, in our time of need, we have this instinctual prayer that we call out to God, right? But what about those other times, right? What about, what about in between the crises in our lives, right? How do we pray or how do we approach prayer? We need to be alert and sober-minded. We need to be Discipline. We need to be diligent in our prayer lives. Right? It requires a commitment. Notice that these words are all about being intentional, right, and choosing to actively participate in it. Right? There's not. Don't don't view prayer as an emotional activity primarily, although it certainly does include our emotions. Don't wait until you feel like praying. <laughs> to finally pray, or it will never happen, right? We need to be alert and sober-minded. We need to be intentional. I believe the enemy would like nothing more than to keep us from praying, right? The enemy would love nothing more than distracted, bored, prayerless Christians filling the pews, right? Because prayer is important. It is, it is a commitment and it does make a difference. And so we need to be committed to it. We need to be alert and sober-minded. And we can pray with confidence because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and holds all authority in heaven and earth. Remember, I've already talked about that. Look back to chapter 3, verse 22. Jesus has gone into heaven and is seated at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Right? That's, who, that's who we get to pray to, the one who holds all authority in his hands. We have direct access to the Father through Christ, right? 24-7, 365, access to the Father anytime and anywhere. But more than direct access, right? We, God has made us his children, right? So this is more than just, you know, say, say access to to a king or, or, or say like a direct line to the Oval Office, right, to the president. This is, this is direct access to our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us. Right, the sovereign creator and sustainer of the universe claims us as his own children, and he is our Father. Pastor Tim Keller once said that the only one who dares wake the king to ask for a cup of water is his child, Right? That's the kind of access that we have to God. The King of kings, the Lord of all the universe, calls us his children and invites us to prayer, invites us to pray to him. And yet many of us neglect it, right? Many of us don't take the time for it. We don't take it seriously enough, but we should. And so I want to take a minute and just talk about how to pray alert and sober-minded. There's four things I want to encourage you in. And, and one is that we need to pray Scripture, right? Sometimes we don't know what to pray or how to pray. And we can always take God's Word and pray the words of Scripture back to God, right? Prayer is a two-way conversation, and God has initiated prayer by giving us His Word. This is God's Word to us. And so we can pray by reading and praying Scripture right back to Him, 
You know, we can read a passage of Scripture and pray it back to God. Pray that the truth of that Scripture would be revealed in our hearts and minds and that it would become a reality in our world. Right? So look at this verse just by itself, for example, right? To be alert and sober-minded so that you can pray. Well, how do you turn that into a prayer? You say, Lord, help me be alert and sober-minded, right? Help me to be intentional in my prayer life. Enable me to pray, not just when I need something, but in all circumstances and at all times, right? That's how we can pray Scripture. And again, I know I said this a couple weeks ago, but the Psalms are another great resource, right? There's, there's probably a psalm for just about every experience or every emotion that you're going through, good and bad and everything in between. And you can find a psalm and read it and, and meditate on it and pray the words of that psalm. We also need to pray Christ-centered prayers, right? We always tap on, tack on in His name at the end of our prayers, but that's not just like a, a, a formal uh, close to the, to the prayer like signing a letter, When we pray things in Jesus' name, it's meant to be a reminder to us that we should pray Christ-centered prayers. We should be praying according to His character and His will, not our own. Right? There's a began with God, not ourselves. Unfortunately, too many of us invert that reality, right? We pray all about us and not so much about God. But prayer should be be praying Scripture and we should be praying Christ-centered prayers prayers. We also need to pray boldly, pray believing prayers, believing that God's word and his promises are true even when they're hard to see. Boldly asking God to work in his will in every situation. And Jesus, we don't have to look any further than Jesus for a great example of that. His prayer in the garden of Gethsemane, the night he was betrayed, right? He was he was kneeling down and in in anguish and anxiety he prayed Father, if there is any other way to accomplish this, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. You see, that's the, that's the important mark there, right? The important distinguishing prayer of a, of a bold prayer is boldly ask what you believe God is calling you to ask for, but always understand, right, that it is ultimately God's will that is to be done, not our own. And so we ask boldly in prayer, believing God's word and his promises are true and always depending on God's will, not our own. And finally, last part about prayer here is to pray persistently. In other words, don't give up. Pray without ceasing. You may not see the immediate impact of your prayers, but don't let that discourage you. Right? Trust that God is working even when you can't see the results yourself. Because God is working in this world. He is working through the prayers of his people. But the results may not be immediately evident. We may never see the result of our prayers in an earthly sense. But God is working. And we will pray persistently for the things that we care about and the things that that are close to our hearts. So we're called to be a people who pray. Second, We're called to be a people who love. He says in verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He says above all, right? Love for God and for others is the highest Christian virtue, right? Scripture testifies that that love is at the center, right, of of our faith. Ability, our ability to follow God, right? Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love God and love others, right? Everything else hangs on those two commandments. Everything else can be summed up through those two commands, to love God and to love others. So love is the highest Christian virtue. And he says here we're called to love each other deeply. We're called to, to, to love each other not with superficial regard, right, but really truly deep compassion for one another. I always tend to emphasize that we are a church family. I'm sure you've heard me say that a few times, right? And the reason for that is it's obviously a a scriptural term. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. But I think it's a good reminder of the kind of love we're supposed to have for each other is the love of a family. I mean, some of you may be thinking... Right? Some of you may be thinking that 
I haven't seen your family, right? <laughs> maybe maybe your, your experience in your family has not been always loving and kind and compassionate. And I get that, right? There is no perfect family. And, and honestly, sometimes families don't treat each other well. You know, but here's the truth. The reason why families can be the source of both extreme joy and also extreme heartache for some people is because our families are the people that know us the best, right? And therefore, we are the most vulnerable with our families. And yes, vulnerability can leave you open for hurt, but it also opens up the possibility to love and to be loved deeply. So we're called to love each other deeply like a family because, and he gives a couple reasons here. He says, love covers over a multitude of sins. In other words, it's in that context that we can experience both in giving and receiving grace and forgiveness. If you truly love someone, right, you'll learn to look past some of their mistakes that they make. And when you love someone, they'll learn to do the same for you in return. And so it's within the context of God's people that we can truly experience the love, the kind of love that God has for us, that agape love. All right, we can't love someone with a Christ-like love like that and at the same time refuse to forgive them and hold a grudge. All right, don't be like that unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. Jesus tells the parable of the servant who was, who was forgiven a huge sum that he owed his master. But instead of living out that forgiveness, he turned around and tried to extort somebody who had almost a small amount. Right? He didn't allow that forgiveness to impact his life. We need to be merciful towards others because we ourselves have received mercy from God. And we need to offer hospitality without grumbling. Right? We're a church family. We are, we're called to fellowship and community and particularly showing care and concern to others that maybe we don't know, right? Those that are on the outside, we need to welcome in with loving arms, with grace and compassion, right? We don't just love those who love us back. We love all without complaining, without grumbling, right? Not a half-hearted love. We shouldn't be dragging our feet. We should love each other with the same kind of love that Christ extended to us. And lastly, we're called to be a people who serve. He says each of us are given unique gifts, right? All Christians are called to Holy Spirit-empowered service, right? And, And no one is exempt from that call, right? Everyone that's a believer in Jesus Christ has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and along with that, spiritual gifts and and talents and abilities to serve. Carolyn did a wonderful job talking about stewardship up here. When we think about stewardship, it's not just how we handle our finances. It's how we handle everything that God has entrusted us, our time, our talent, our testimonies, as well as our treasure. So God, is, God pours out his Holy Spirit on us to enable us to love and serve our neighbor better. Right? And, and again, the focus is on serving one another. God, God gives us these gifts and these talents so that we may serve others. And we do that because it's a way for us to serve King Jesus. In Matthew 25, he says, whatever you do for the least of these brothers and sisters, you do for me. Right? We are servants of the King. We serve at his behest. And so as good stewards, we, we serve him by using the gifts and talents he's given us to then serve others. And we, when we do so, we need to be completely dependent and reliant on God. We need to speak his words, not our own. We need to make sure that everything we do is grounded in the truth of His Word that's revealed to us in Scripture, guided by the discernment of the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not about us, it's about Him. And we need to serve in His his strength, not our own. Whatever we find ourselves doing, we need to make sure we are doing it completely dependent on Him. And we do that so that He gets the glory, not us. Right, Human endeavors fall. Human kingdoms fall. But God's kingdom is eternal. And so all praise and honor and glory belong to Him at all times and in all things. Everything built by human effort, whether kingdoms of this world or institutions 
or bank accounts. Right? Everything built by human effort and according to human wisdom will eventually fade. But everything built to the glory of God and in his power will endure forever. Serve because he's the king of kings and he deserves it. Let's pray together. Father God, as we come to you now, we, we embrace, Lord, your, the truth of your word and, and the calling that you've placed on our lives. Lord, we cannot control the circumstances we find ourselves in, but we can control how we respond. And you call us to be a people who pray, people who love, and a people who serve. Help us to be that, that kind of people in this church, in our families, in our communities, and wherever else we find ourselves. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service of worship here today, I invite you to stand and join us as we sing, Pour Me Out. And make, encourage you to make this a prayer as we close our service, asking the Holy Spirit to pour himself out into us so that we can pour ourselves out in service to him and to others.
Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.